morning to St Matthews. Uh, for those of you who are in the building, it's wonderful to see you. And for those of you who are out there in YouTube land, at home and in other places, we're really glad to have you here today. I'll just let you know we've had a number of tech challenges this morning. Our team are doing a great job. But for those of you who are at home, it may mean that as we sing and as we have other things come on the screen, it may be a bit harder for you to see. So I apologise for that. We continue to work on that. Uh, but it's great to have you. Uh, in our first song, the, the lyrics of this song are not familiar to me, but the, the tune is very well known. And so I had a good, careful look at them. And I think what we do in this song is we sing to our tongues. And we call on our tongues to speak God's praises. I reckon that's worth singing about. Let's stand and join our musicians at the front as we sing. Begin my tongue some heavenly theme. again. It's great to see you here this morning at St Matthew's and online at home. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers here. 
Uh, part of my role is to oversee the, the congregation that meets here at 8 o'clock, uh, as well as overseeing pastoral care across our family of congregations here at St Matthew's. Uh, it's very good to have you here, and we're really glad to welcome I was going to call you guests, but you're actually partners in ministry with us. We have David and Leonie Painter with us this morning, uh, back for a time uh, from Cambodia, and we'll be hearing from them a little later in the service. Lots of good things to look forward to this morning as we come together as God's people, not least the hearing of his word from the story that changes everything, which is Mark's gospel. And we're now well into the first half of that gospel, where the big question is, who is Jesus? It's all about the identity of Jesus. And, and this morning, uh, Bruce is very eager to speak on this. There's a couple of episodes in the early chapters of Mark uh, where Jesus is in a boat or near a boat. And uh, in this case, we see the disciples grappling with who he is. In fact, at one stage, they say, who is he? They're baffled, they're terrified, they don't understand they're fearful. It makes such a difference when you understand who Jesus is. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing that part of God's word read and Bruce preaching on that a little later. Right now, though, we're going to come to God in prayer. What a privilege it is that we can do that. We'll pray as we often do together for our service together. Uh, then we'll pray uh, a prayer of confession, uh, recognising that each of us, all of us, uh, people who fall short, even those who've known God for a long time and love him, we fall short of his ways, so a confession. And then we'll read a psalm, uh, a favourite psalm for many, parts of Psalm 103, uh, which is so reassuring of God's goodness towards us. So please join me as, firstly, we pray this prayer of preparation for the rest of our service. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour and to live for your honour and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the beautiful lines of Psalm 103 is so reassuring as to the nature of God's forgiveness of those who come to him in Christ. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So will you join me as we read from Psalm 103? Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve 
or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his work, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. Well, in a moment, uh, Scott is going to reintroduce us to David and Leonie Painter. But firstly, just a couple of things to let you know. Uh, the first one is uh, that if you're new or visiting with us, we'd love to know that you've been here. Uh, we have morning tea straight after the service. We'd love it if you could join us. Uh, if you've got a chance, I'd love to meet you. Uh, as well as that, you could connect with us uh, through the online uh, Connect um, uh, card using the QR code there or, or contact us at the office and the number is on our website. Uh, also, if, if you're finding things difficult at the moment, it may be to do with COVID, with isolation, particularly for some at home. Uh, we'd love to know, we'd love to understand your situation and do what we can to support you during this time. Uh, the second thing to mention is that uh, this is some advance notice uh, of a day that we're planning in March of baptisms down by the harbour at the other end of the beach, just past the ferry terminal there. Uh, this is something we do each year or so, and uh, we'd love to know, you to know that it's on. Uh, baptism, like we're planning to do, is a, is a Christian custom where we use water, and there's lots of water in the harbour, as a symbol of being cleansed uh, by being united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. It's a good thing to do if you've never done it before in part as a, a way of publicly expressing your faith in Christ. So if that's something you're interested in doing, uh, we're giving you notice so that you could make an appointment to see one of our staff and just to talk that through in preparation. Scott, please uh, bring uh, David and Leonie forward. In fact, why don't you welcome David and Leonie? Come on up this side, guys, if that's okay. And I'll give you your own COVID stick. There you go. Well, uh, welcome, everyone, and uh, good to be with you. And it is, a, again, a delight to have David and Leonie Painter with us, our mission partners who've been serving in Cambodia for decades now. So, I mean, there's real staying power there. Um, we've battled, I think, through just the COVID era, just doing life and kind of ministry together as... I imagine you have. Do you want to give us a bit of an idea of what ministry in the COVID phase of life looked like for you guys? Okay, well, we've been teaching um, what we call PTC, but it's a course in Bible and theology. And so uh, this is a book that we've had the time to produce well because we've had a bit more time to uh, at home to work. And at the front of this book, it reads like this, and that means that this is studying God's word in community, talking together. But sometimes community is difficult when we're all stuck at home, mm -hmm. looking into the computer. But we have found that we've had to move out of our comfort zone 
and we've been teaching on Zoom. And when we have been able to gather some students together, we've got together and we've studied asking questions, but then also sharing with a greater community outside. And so we've been looking for opportunities in this new era. Cool. Um, when COVID hit Cambodia, we found that all the churches shut down. Okay. Um, so going to church just wasn't possible. So we decided we'd open a church plant in our home. And so we had a gathering of a, a small number of believers coming together and some non-Christians meeting together and listening and studying God's word together and encouraging one another. That was just great. Mm. Um, another thing was a number of our students, former and present, um, had, during this time faced various difficulties, particularly um, in relationships. So we found ourselves in a more of a counselling role during this period than we would normally. Okay. Mm. So I was going to ask you if there were any like surprising, surprising opportunities or challenges in you know during the COVID phase. You told me you've actually just become counsellors and church planters. Um, is there anything else you that you possibly did that was surprising or, or challenging during this time? Uh, I think some of the challenges we faced were challenges that often we faced here. Um, we faced just the challenge of where do we get our food from because they suddenly shut down all the markets. Um, but then what happened, and Cambodians can be very um, resourceful. resourceful, looking for opportunities, so suddenly all the local tuk-tuks would become mobile shops where they would sell the vegetables from the back of the tuk-tuk. But the thing is, you had to buy your vegetables quickly before the police came along with their big rods. <laughs> right. So they're always on the lookout. One was the driver and the other one was the seller. <laughs> Um, in terms of ministry, what was really encouraging that was while we were teaching on Zoom, and sometimes it would be months at a time, we still had new students come and enrol and study the PTC course with us. And they'd fi find out about the course through, say, um, Facebook from um, our advertisements and our students' endorsements. Yeah, wow. Um, you're here, obviously you're here because you're right here, but you're here back in Australia for, well, tell us how long you're here for and if you could tell us um, how you're splitting up your time while you're back in Aussie. Okay, well, yes, we're here for about five to six months and while we're here in Australia, we are, first of all, visiting our link churches, of which we've had the joy of you supporting us for the last more than 20 years. Uh, and also, uh, we've been involved in some conferences further, like CMS Summer School, and we'll be going to Molong in two weeks' time, which is somewhere beyond Bathurst, they tell me. Um, but also looking after family who we haven't seen for a while. We have a 22-year-old son who we haven't seen for well over two years, um, and so helping him along in life. And we've brought a daughter back. She was born in Thailand. She's now 19 and she's begun study at Sydney Missionary Bible College for a year, a gap year. And just seeing various members of our family, like my parents who moved house from Gloucester to Newcastle just two months before we arrived back. Okay. Yeah, so that, a lot of small family things like that. Yeah, but the really important things. And, and really important things, yes. Transitional phases. Um, okay, well, maybe I'll throw it to you, Leonie. Uh, tell us what you'll be focusing on um, when you get back to Cambodia. 
uh, and basically things that we can be praying for you guys. Sure. Um, well, we've seen great opportunities from COVID where we could be doing PTC not just in the classroom, but be live streaming it and broadcasting it to have opportunities for students around Cambodia to be studying God's word mm. together. So we're looking forward to setting that up and having that running. Um, we can also see opportunities for teaching PTC in Chinese. Uh, and we're working alongside some Chinese Christians to see that happen. Okay. Yeah, so we'd just love some prayer for all that. Um, and uh, yeah, one way to be connected to us is to be receiving our newsletter and prayer points and be praying for us. Um, in our handout, there's a section at the back where you can just fill in and just be in touch with us. It'd be great. And just be praying for us as we have the rest of our time here in Australia and the future opportunities back for service in Cambodia. So they could fill that out and give that to us. Yep, so you can fill this out and just pass it to us later. That would be great, over or coffee and tea member. or to someone like Absolutely. Scott. Absolutely. Yep, thanks. Yeah. So we'll, you, you'll be giving them out to folks. You, you're not allowed to leave the building this morning without grabbing one of those, I think, is the, real, the rule? The that's, that's right, Scott, yes. Exactly. So we'll be enforcing that. Um, yeah, if you don't grab one, we'll put some of that hand sanitizer in your eyes. So definitely grab one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray for you guys now. Thanks so much for coming and visiting us. I, I want to say that as a congregation, we feel very, very happy to um, support you financially and prayerfully, especially when we hear of some of the exciting things that have been going on in Cambodia, um, even through the difficult phase of life that has been in COVID. So thank you so much, and thanks for visiting us this morning. How about I pray for the painters? Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we do want to thank you for um, just the partnership that we have in the gospel with David and Leonie, and also with their children, Joshua and Grace. And it's really exciting to hear that during the COVID um, sort of phase of life that enrolments grew, uh, and that David and Leonie also had an opportunity to plant a church in their home. Uh, and actually, we're, we're quite astounded by that. And we ask for your uh, ongoing blessing upon their efforts, both with that plant and in their teaching uh, ministry. Lord, we thank you for some of the exciting um, opportunities that seem to lie ahead, uh, especially thinking about um, teaching in, in the Chinese language to Chinese Christians so that they might be better equipped to know you and love you and to serve you and to spread your word uh, wherever they're from. And uh, for, uh, for them as a family, um, Father God, we pray for the next um, stretch of time until May that they'll be in Australia that the visitation of all the churches wouldn't uh, feel too burdensome, but there'd be plenty of mutual encouragement going on. And we also pray for both Joshua and Grace and David's parents as well, that their time here would be very helpful in just settling each of these folks into new phases of life. So we ask for your hand of blessing upon them, and we thank you for their ministry among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please thank David and Leonie. Friends, uh, we're going to continue in our time of prayer. Uh, we'll be praying this morning for those who work in the, the healthcare system and in aged care, uh, where there really is a crisis at the moment. Uh, we'll be praying for those who do behind the scenes work at, at St Matthew's on the parish council and as wardens. And we'll, we'll also be mindful in our prayers of those who are living with chronic illness and pain. Uh, then as we close that, we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. So. Please bow your head as I lead us. Father, we thank you that we can come to you with confidence through your Son and by your Spirit. Hear us as we pray. 
This morning, we especially pray for staff in hospitals and residential care. We pray for them with the particular challenges they're facing during the present crisis in the face of COVID-19. We ask for those who are affected by understaffing due to so many isolating with COVID. Uh, please give them resilience and patience and the wisdom to know what most needs to be done for the sake of patients and residents. And Lord, we pray that you will please bring relief soon. We give you thanks, Father, for the godliness and gifts of those who serve behind the scenes at St Matthew's on the parish council, including the wardens. Please enable them to continue to work together to ensure that the resources of our church are transparently managed and effectively used to support our vision to grow your church through the gospel of Jesus. And now, Father, we want to pray especially for those within our church family, for those who are known to us, who are living with chronic illness and pain. We grieve with them in their adversity. We ask you to please sustain them, to give them the faith and the hope that they need to see through each day. And may those of us around them know how to care for them with understanding during times especially of anxiety and loneliness. And Father, we pray that you'll bring healing and an end to their pain. And we join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We're going to sing. This will be our collection hymn. And after that, uh, John will be coming and reading for us from the scriptures. Please stand.
This morning's reading can be found in page 1005 in the Church Bibles. There's two readings, Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41, following that chapter 6, 45 to 52. Mark 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the weed died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. And on to Mark 6, verse 45 to 52. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. 
Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Here ends the reading. Great stories, aren't they? You don't think so? Very quiet this morning. I love those stories. Um, and if you don't know, I'm sure many of you do. Um, I do love being on boats and they are some of my favourite stories. And let me just say, the staff are slightly nervous today that I will roll out all my boat stories and not much about Jesus. So I'm going to be very disciplined, okay? And try and stick on task which is not easy because there's some great stories I could tell you. But anyway, there's the one about... Anyway, I will leave it there. There is something about boats, though. Um, you may have noticed this. There are boat owners, and they just love boats. And I'm one of them. And I think it's because of the love affair with the sea. There's something about being on the ocean in a boat that boat owners just love. And look, I'm one of them, for a day off, a very enjoyable thing is literally to get in my boat and go out on the ocean. And people think I'm a bit crazy, it's only 14 foot long, it has got a deep V hull for those who are worried. And to be out there with the whales, uh, it's a great experience, just seeing the sunrise come up over the horizon. And we come to what are two great stories of boating adventures with Jesus and the disciples. And I want to start with a question, which is this, as we think about uh, this thing. Uh, whoops, there we go. How well do you know Jesus? And I think that's what this passage is really going to provoke in us. To what extent do we really know this Jesus that we meet in these boating adventures? And I've called the message today transforming faith, boating adventures with Jesus. It was just going to be boating adventures with Jesus, but I thought I need to actually say something spiritual, and uh, that's actually the main point of the passage, transforming faith. And on the surface, what you've got here are two rollicking, seafaring adventures. They're great stories, but underneath it, as you stop and think about these two stories... There's one profound truth about Jesus that when you grasp him and you know him can absolutely change your life. And I've got three points. Uh, firstly, boats in Mark's Gospel. We're just going to reflect on how boats feature in Mark's Gospel. It's actually quite fascinating. Secondly, the disciples all at sea. And then thirdly, how well do you know the captain? Well, let's think about the first one, um, boats in Mark's Gospel. What's interesting is as you read through chapters 1 to 8, there's actually five times that Jesus got into the boat. Now, that's not surprising when you think that 
the significant part of his ministry in Mark chapters 1 to 8 is around the region of Galilee, which has this whopping big lake. And so, for transport reasons, he's often getting into one. What's interesting, on those five journeys, there are three significant stories that take place in a boat. And in many ways, it's the place where the disciples are alone, away from the crowds. And they get to see firsthand without the crowds, and they get to talk firsthand without the crowds to their master. Two major incidents, one major discussion. And they're in chapters 4, 6 and 8. And underneath these three major stories where they're in the boat, the underlying issue is, do you really understand who this Jesus is? The first one, they encounter a wild storm. The second, they can't row against the wind. The third, they are hungry and clueless and can't work out what the story was about and what the actions of Jesus are about. Something is always going wrong in the boat. That's the other thing to note. It's a place where revelation takes place, but it's also a place of crisis. And the big issue underneath all these stories is Jesus is progressively revealing his identity to the disciples, but they just don't get it. There's a lack of faith. There's hard hearts. And then lastly, you could say, are they just that dull or thick? That's what the text tells us. And so, boats in Mark's Gospel actually have a significant role to play because they're a place of revelation about the identity of Jesus. But secondly, sailors all at sea. If you've got your Bibles there, let's open up. We're going to look at the first boating story and then the second one. This has always been one of my favourite stories. I think if I was one of the disciples, I would have just so loved to have been there. Let me read from verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, speaking of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they got him, uh, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other uh, boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, I don't know if you have been in boating conditions like that. I have. Um, it's not a very pleasant feeling. Uh, I remember one day going out from Southwest Rocks with uh, a couple of the young lads. Uh, in fact, uh, Tasman was in the boat, Jess, with me and my son, and we got a wave over the front of the boat as we went round the point, and we went, we're going back in. <laughs> not a nice experience. We were very close to shore. We came back in. It was fine. The problem is uh, the disciples are not close to shore. And we read in verse 38, Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? if we drown. That's worth noting the disciples are a motley crew, some of them were professional fishermen, they would have been very experienced in terms of handling a boat. And these professional fishermen think the boat is about to go under and they will drown. And as some of you know, I've spent many hours on boats, it's actually over a thousand hours out at sea uh, in small boats, the classic size was 27 foot, I used to fish offshore with Wollongong Game Fishing Club, uh, in a 27-foot boat. We went in some big seas, uh, three, four-metre seas at times, and I have had uh, quite a long way offshore have a wave come over the boat. Uh, it's kind of an exciting, scary feeling all at once. Uh, 
but we would come in after a long day out and sometimes the wind had got up, the swell was up and Ronnie's boat, uh, 27 foot long, kind of unsinkable literally, um, did not go well in what's called a following sea which is a sea behind you and we would surf down the waves often at 45 degree angles and if you're not familiar with this or used to this, uh, it can make you worried. He said he'd had two guys on board once that were screaming out, are we going to die? Now, the thing was, um, you would hold on for dear life, and you could hold on, and as you're going down a 45 degrees angle, I used to look at Ronnie, who was a professional fishing charter fisherman, and I would just note, is he worried? And Ronnie would just be there driving away, fagging on his cigarette, <laughs> not a worry in the world. And I thought, if Ronnie's not worried, I'm not worried. And that's what I tell myself. And we always got home. And we were never in trouble. But what struck me in this story is the professionals on board the boat are not like Ronnie. <laughs> they are crying out to Jesus. We think we're going to drown. <laughs> Aren't you going to do anything? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And it's very interesting. The word drown here is actually the word destroyed. It's the word that the demon in chapter 1 uses when he recognises Jesus, have you come to destroy me? The disciples say the same thing, do you not think, are you not worried that we're going to be destroyed? Now what happens is remarkable. He gets up, he rebukes the wind and he said to the waves, verse 39, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? It's the right question. And it's such a contrast, the disciples think they're about to be destroyed, drowned. And Jesus is there asleep on a pillow. And I love the, the fine nature of the detail in the retelling of the story, which just speaks of the first-hand experience of the disciples. He's asleep, not just asleep, but he's actually asleep on a cushion. Now, if you don't think this is a big day, try it one day on the Manly Ferry, okay? Now, the pictures are not the best quality. I didn't take them, I just ripped them off the internet. And uh, I think that's the 215 storm that was in about April. Do anyone remember that? It was this massive storm that came through. And I do remember it. it's when Mike Baird said, stay home. Don't go to work today. It was so bad. And uh, there's another picture. And I do love this one. I don't think this is quite that storm. But just see those two passengers on the right. <laughs> now, just try Jesus' words one day when you're on the ferry in a big swell. I remember putting Neville Naden on the ferry in that 2.15 swell at nine o'clock in the morning. He'd been here on the Sunday and he'd been doing what David and Leonie have been doing, speaking about his ministry, and the swell was up and I assured Neville it would be okay. In fact, I was feeling ripped off that I couldn't go on the boat and enjoy the swell myself. And he had to get across to the city to his hotel. And he got on the fast ferry. And I tell you what, he literally thought he was gonna die that day. But the thing that struck him was, uh, when he looked at the staff on board, he said they were worried. <laughs> and it turned out 
that ferry was the last one to go that day. They shut the run down afterwards. Waves were coming over it. Now let me tell you what the last thing Neville had in his mind was. To go out the front of the boat, to look behind him and say to his disciple, to uh, the staff, it's all right, be quiet. <laughs> I've got this. Jesus' response to them, to the wind and the waves, is astounding. Those who've been on boats will know that the wind can die down quite quickly. I've been out at sea when the wind has been blowing and I remember one day coming in from a fishing tournament and the wind just calmed off and it was like amazing. But what doesn't stop is the swell because you see the wind generates the swell. Whether it's a ground swell from low pressure system or a wind swell from the constant battering of the wind on the waves, it does not stop like that. John Jones knows very well as a former naval chaplain. But both the wind and the waves stop like that. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They've seen healings. They've seen exorcisms, which you could easily put down to God working through someone. But not this. This is someone who is in charge of the entire created order. And one of the beauties about the ocean is its raw power. And I think that's why people who love the ocean have a love affair with it, because there's this sense of incredible majesty when you're on it, but yet recognition of the power that's within it. And Jesus has complete authority over it. And he rebukes them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And what he's asking them is, do you still, have you still not worked out who I am? And it begs the question in us, as we think about those words, do you still have no faith? How well do we know this, Jesus? I want you to keep thinking about that question. How well do you really know him? Let's think about the second boating story. Ghost on the water. If you want to go forward in your Bibles, it's Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. And I want you to note the context for this. It's after the feeding of the 5,000. And it's very significant, clever how Mark has put the story together. And it's significant what Jesus is doing here off the back of the feeding of the 5,000. So just keep that in the back of your mind. This time there's no threat of shipwreck, rather they're just unable to proceed. It's the dead of night and they're powerless and most likely disorientated. Now these guys must have been super fit because they row a long time. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So the disciples head off I'm sure they're wondering how is Jesus going to get there, but it's like, it's all right, I'm sure he'll work it out. And Jesus goes to pray as evening comes. Verse 47. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. 
Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. And so they've been rowing all night. I mean, they would have been exhausted. And they just can't get across. And I'm sure they would have known in a normal circumstances they could have, but the wind has come up and it's not possible. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Now, one of the other things about me I think you know is I'm a swimmer and swim with the pink caps. And any of the pink caps will know the rip that is at the south end of Manly Beach. Uh, they affectionately call it the escalator because when you're going out to swim, it just whips you out. If you're a surfer, it whips you out. But let me say, when you come back in after the one and a half k's and the escalator is coming against you and you're trying to swim, it's a very interesting experience as you just swim and swim and you can look down and you can see the seaweed and you can see you're just not moving. <laughs> and it can be so bad on days. I've been out there one day when 15 people had to get rescued. Uh, because they were so disorientated and so exhausted that they had to put their hand up and get the surf lifesaver to come out and pull them in. Now, I've not had that happen to me, but I've had many times where I've just been swimming and going absolutely nowhere, and it's very disorientating. And this is what's happening to the disciples. And they're going nowhere fast. And Jesus walks on the water towards them. Now, technically speaking, you can't walk on water. Now, if it's frozen, I guess you could. But there's no freezing here. And technically, if you can run, apparently, at 108 kilometres an hour, that's fast enough to walk on water. I think that's about three times the speed of Usain Bolt. Because at that level, your imprint is so small. Now, there was a guy who's a magician uh, who's called Dynamo, who's in London. I remember watching this, uh, and he went and walked on the water on the Thames River, and you can see Big Ben in the background. Now, let me say, that's incredibly impressive, but it turns out there was perspex underneath. <laughs> you can't walk on water unless you're Jesus. And he immediately spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they're completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Now when it says that they're amazed, it's not in the sense that they've got this revelation in their heart and mind about who Jesus is. They're just kind of like, wow, what just took place? And they're surprised, is what's going on. And I love how Mark puts it, for they'd not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. In other words, they should have had faith on the first boat journey, but they didn't. They should have it now, but they don't. They're just kind of, wow, look what he did. <laughs> And what Mark is hinting at is they've not worked out who he is. And when you get to the third boat journey, there is a discussion that takes place and you realise they just don't get who he is. Well, who is he? What do we learn from this second boating adventure? The words I put on the screen are very important. Think with me in the Old Testament. When do you see a feeding miracle, a water miracle, 
and then a declaration by God of his identity. Well, let me tell you, it's the book of Exodus. There's a feeding miracle that takes place there. God feeds his people in the desert with manna. And the feeding of the 5,000 was meant to tell them about the identity of Jesus. He comes and does what only God could do. Now they have a water miracle. Second one. And Jesus again does what only God can do. Feed them, part the seas, calm the oceans. And thirdly, reveals his identity. In the book of Exodus, there's a profound moment where God reveals his name to Moses. And I say it's profound because, you see, he's saying to Moses, this is who I am, this is my name. And God is just not some God who is above them, he is known and personal. And that name is Yahweh. And it's in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And the words are, I am who I, I will be who I'll be. And when they translate that phrase in the Greek text of the Old Testament, it's called the LXX. The phrase that is used, interestingly, is the one that Jesus picks up here and quotes deliberately, I take it, after he's come the storm. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. In other words, the great I am is in the boat for those who've got ears to hear. God in the flesh, the one who parted the seas, the one who fed manna from heaven. Actually, I've just showed you I'm that one. I've just fed the 5,000 with the loaves. I've just calmed the ocean. I am is with you. Don't be afraid. And the sad thing is the disciples don't get it. They're just kind of like, oh, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Their hearts were hardened. And you see, what they should have done was to get on their face and worship him as the living God who'd come amongst them. And you see, it's very interesting when you contrast the disciples' reaction to these two miracles because these two boating miracles are the only miracles that Jesus does specifically and privately for them. All the other miracles they see are ones that the crowd gets to see or that others get to see. But these are done specifically for them to reveal his glory to them. Have you got no faith? Their hearts were hard. And what's also interesting is when you look in chapters 4 to 8, there's blind Bartimaeus who gets healed and he has faith. Jairus' daughter, he has faith but not the disciples. And it just begs the question, what do we learn from it? Well, I think we have to ask the question, how well do we know this Jesus? Or are we like the disciples? And we might be amazed by him, but do we really know him? That he is God 
in the flesh who came for us. Because that, my friends, is a life-changing truth, not just for someone who is new. And if you are new here today and you're wondering where on earth is God, look at Jesus. He is him. He came in the flesh, the Son of God, who reveals the Father to us. And his spirit can come and enter your life and open your eyes so that you can know him. Well, let me stop and think pastorally. How well do you know the captain? And if I can use the boating analogy, he is the captain of the boat. And the call for us is to repent and believe the good news, to turn around and get on board his boat and let him be in charge and direct and drive us. And when I read these two stories, I ask myself this question. Am I much different to the disciples? Do I really get how amazing Jesus is and who he really is? And do I really know him? Or am I dull of mind, hard of heart and slow to believe? I think that's the questions we've got to ask ourselves. And I said to myself, too often I am slow to believe, hard of heart and dull of mind. Though in God's mercy he has opened my eyes to see his glory. But I still struggle with those conditions. And I ask myself, to what extent am I growing in knowing his person, his amazing power, his protection, his care in my life? And what is so stunning about these miracles is that the revelation is done in a way to care for the disciples. When you know Jesus' true identity, it's so reassuring. I don't need to sweat in life. He is in control as I seek to live for him. I am in his boat and no matter how big the seas are, how wild the waves, how dangerous the conditions, I can trust him to get me through. I absolutely can. And I want to say that is absolutely my experience, even though I am weak and will have hard heart and dull hearing and dull mind. Anyone who leads an organisation will know the reality of the saying, it's lonely at the top and it's absolutely the same in leading a church it's lonely at the top and from an earthly point of view the buck stops with me and let me just say I'm not saying this for sympathy's sake (laughs) okay I took on the job knowing full well what was involved and I've got a terrific group of staff and leaders to work here at St Matthews and it's it's a wonderful church to be a part of with all of our members But yet there is a loneliness of decision-making and responsibility that is never-ending. And I want to say to you, one of the reasons I'm not overwhelmed by it most of the time, really all the time, is because I know Jesus is with me. And I'm in his boat. And when I say Jesus with me, I I mean the Jesus who can calm the storm, who can walk on water and who has got complete authority over this entire creation and every facet of my life and all the circumstances that I'll go through. He is there with me. And when the pandemic hit, I remember reading, uh, well, I read my Bible uh, as I try to every day and Psalm 57 just jumped off the page at me and that first verse and it was so powerful I wrote it on my whiteboard it's still there today 
And I'll read you the words, have mercy on my, my, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. <laughs> now, interestingly, this week I went to rub it off. I thought, I'm feeling like the disaster's passed, and I could rub the outline out, but I couldn't rub the text out. And it was like God was saying, just leave it up there, I just want to remind you, Okay. I'm with you. And this psalm is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. That psalm gave me incredible strength and comfort because Jesus is my refuge. I'm not saying anything surprising again in saying that the last two, three years with the building project and then the pandemic have been very tough. Uh, a perfect storm, I described it to. Uh, it's been very difficult to navigate with a lot of bumpy passages. When the third lockdown hit at the end of June last year, if I can be totally honest, it, it completely knocked me for six. Um, the building program, fundraising, pandemic, you name it. And as we went into that, what was our third lockdown, I think I've never been that flat in ministry. Probably in life, to be, if I can be very honest. And I was so flat, I said to uh, my wife, Kath, I'm actually going to check in and get some counselling. And I booked an appointment. There's actually very good help for Anglican ministers. Uh, the diocese pays for it, just in case you're wondering. And you can have up to six sessions all paid for in a year, every year. And my concern underneath was quietly, um, and I guess I didn't want to admit to it, was I burnt out after what we'd been through. And I went and saw a lovely counsellor on Zoom. Uh, she works in uh, Neutral Bay. And I had two consultations with her. And I just said, look, my question is, am I burnt out? And she was so very helpful. Um, I won't read what she said. I spoke to the wardens about it. I got them, uh, I got her to write an assessment for me. And she said, actually, no, he's just been through a very tough time. And she basically said, what you're going through is just not surprising given what you've been through. And I came out of it after a number of weeks because one of the other things that happened was I wasn't able to exercise. I had a rotator cuff injury and I was out of the water for about a month. And it was amazing the impact that that took place along with the other things. And John Appleby, my physio, helped fix that up along with his uh, colleague Michael, which was terrific. But through all of it, I just had this knowing that Jesus was with me and he would get me through. And it's interesting, after a month, that kind of lethargy and I wouldn't call it depression, but just that real flatness emotionally lifted. And I would look at that verse and I just knew that God would get me through and that the Lord Jesus was with me through all of it. And I share that to encourage you because um, what I'm talking about here today, that Jesus is the Son of God who came in the flesh and that he's with us, it's very real for me. 
And this is the reality of the Christian faith. It's not just some academic belief that we have in a God who is above us. We believe in a God who is with us through all the trials of life. And there are great days that we have as Christians where, you know, you think you could, if I can use a boating analogy, if I had enough petrol, I could, in my 14-foot tinny, drive all the way to New Zealand. (laughs) But there are other days you think, I can't even put the boat in the water, let alone go out the heads. But when you know Jesus with you, you know you'll get through because he will be with you in the storm. He will be with you in the waves and he will get you through to the other side because Jesus really is who he says he is. He is God in the flesh. He's with me. He's with you. He's died for our sins. He's raised from the dead and he will get us to the end. And I want to finish by just asking that simple question. How well do you know this captain? Let's stop and pray. Heavenly Father, I I do thank you personally for the way you've gotten me through what's been a very tough time. But Lord, I know you've been with all of us to get all of us through this very tough time. And Father, we just thank you for these passages that reveal to us the identity of Jesus, that he is God in the flesh with us. And that as we get into his boat and let him drive, he will take care of us. He will take us through the storm and the waves and the danger and get us to the other side when we're finally with you for eternity in heaven. Lord, help us to trust him and to know him deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Andrew.
please remain standing. Uh, just a few things as we finish. David and Leonie, it's been so wonderful to have you here. Uh, you'll be here over morning tea and you would love to receive uh, some of these filled out. Uh, David and Leonie send out a monthly newsletter and they communicate really well about the way that God is working in and through them in uh, Phnom Penh particularly. And it'd be great to have that so that you can pray for them in a meaningful way, in an ongoing way. Uh, also, over morning tea will be a chance to catch up with others. If you are new or visiting, please come and say hello to me. I'd love to meet you. Um, how well do I know the captain? Uh, we've heard from Bruce what a difference it's made for him during a challenging time. Uh, even wondering whether he was on the point of burnout, but realising no. But it has been difficult, and knowing through all of that, uh, that there is someone in charge who knows what he's doing and who loves us makes all the difference. So brothers and sisters, let me entrust you to God's care from Jude. To him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.